doesn't it revolve around quarterbacks? But today, especially, we're doing a special BWI Daily Edition all about quarterbacks. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Later in the show, we're going to be getting to a film review. T. Frank's film room open once again. The early signing period is on Wednesday. So we're talking about Bo Perbula, the four-star quarterback from On3 that has... Uh, committed to the Nittany Lions quite a while ago. I have a film room on his senior tape to see where he's gone since he was a junior and committed to the Nittany Lions, and I did my last film evaluation for Blue White Illustrated. So that's coming up a little bit later, but right now I want to bring on the show Nate Bauer, senior editor of Blue White Illustrated, because we're talking about not the upcoming quarterbacks, but some departing quarterbacks, something that we've expected to happen for a while happened today. Nate, fill us in on the details. Yeah, uh, first of all, hi, T. Frank. Hi. Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see um, you as well. No, so Taquan Roberson obviously entered the transfer portal, uh, which, you know, in some places means that there's a possibility of coming back, but in this case does not mean that. Um, he'll obviously be playing somewhere else next season. So, yeah, that, that you know, really is kind of the final piece to figure out right uh, in terms of what Penn State's quarterback room is going to look like next year just given the fact that on Friday obviously Sean Clifford announced that he would be back for a sixth year so you've got a sixth year guy in Sean Clifford you've got Christian Bayou who obviously was a true freshman this year played sparingly but did get some action and then two stud true freshman right so yeah it's uh it's yeah. back to a it's back to a four scholarship quarterback situation after this year's three which was and lived up to the tenuousness that everyone kind of thought would be the case going into the season um and you know they'll they'll move forward from there so you're our big picture guy so take us through the big picture of where Penn State was when the transfer portal first started and where they uh, ended up last year before we get to the, kind of the future looking forward, which you just gave us a bit of a preview of. But just in general, this idea of the transfer portal and the quarterback specifically, um, is this some sort of failing by universities to be able to keep quarterbacks? And I don't mean just Penn State. I mean every university that has enough good four and five star quarterbacks. Yeah, I, th I mean, certainly just given the nature of the position, it's the one spot on the field where there's only one opportunity or or realistically one opportunity. There's only one chance uh, at each program to be the guy. And so I think what you've seen at Penn State, I mean, just to recap a little bit here, you're looking at your fourth departure uh, from of scholarship quarterbacks from the room in the last 18 months with this. And so uh, whether it was... Let's think about this. Michael Johnson, Micah Bowens, uh, Will Levis, obviously, and now Taquan Roberson. Like, they're not all the same story. And so because of that, I think that that it has to be judged um, individually, right? Like, Will Levis left because he got a crack at playing at Penn State, understood that Sean Clifford was going to continue to be the starter, likely, um, and wanted an opportunity to play, right? And and as you're going along in your career and you're running out of years, you want to you want to take that opportunity. And it looks like he's going to be back at Kentucky for another season. Yeah. So right, like so that's now you've talked or now you're talking about uh, the transformation from just having one year to having two years as a starter, which obviously would not have been the case if he had stayed at Penn State. Now the other guys, uh, Mike Bowens. Michael Johnson and Taquan Roberson 
I think that you have to ask some questions about Penn State's evaluation process, right? Yeah. In in terms of the guys that they decided to bring into the program and whether or not those guys panned out. And it's never, it's not to say that there weren't other evaluators who thought the same things that they did, right? I mean, you're talking about mostly four-star guys, I think. So there was the potential with all three of those guys, but ultimately you're still talking about Sean Clifford as having kind of outlasted them all. Yeah. Right? And that's like the common he's, denominator he's the, here, right? Right. He's, he's the last man standing. Um, and so he's, he's set for, for one more season at Penn state. We'll see what happens, uh, you know, between Christian Bayou and, and Pribula and, and Aller. And I, I want to get there. to, I want to get to one thing quickly that I, I just want to point out again, because we tend to focus, well, I mean, this show focuses solely on Penn State football. Penn State fans focus solely on Penn State football, but I looked up some numbers. Michigan had three quarterbacks transfer in 2020, and I think they lead the nation in total transfers between the start of the portal and now. I mean, they just, they bled talent for a little bit there. Uh, and obviously, their recruiting has replaced a lot of that and everything that led to what they are now. Clemson has had a transfer every single year, save one during the transfer portal. Notre Dame yep. is starting a transfer quarterback in Jack Cohn because Phil Jakovic transferred to Boston College. This is not a Penn State-specific problem, but this was a critical problem for Penn State because they weren't able to bring in a Jack Cohn. They weren't able to bring in um, a Cade McNamara or, or any of those players to come in and be the starter or to have any sort of quality depth behind that, which, again, we saw Michigan play two quarterbacks this year, one of them a true freshman. So going forward, is Penn State finally on stable footing? And then how long do you think that's going to last? Yeah, I, I, I mean, look, uh, again, these guys want to play. The quarterback position wants to play. This is, this is it's not as simple as, oh, well, just biding your time, right? You get nervous when you haven't had the opportunity or you feel like you haven't risen into that starting role. If you get the starting role and you fail, then okay, maybe maybe you don't belong at the level or maybe there's another place that's a better fit for you. But as you go along, if you haven't felt like you've gotten the opportunity, then I you can understand anybody could understand the this you know a certain sense of panic I think in terms of seeking out a situation that's going to be more primed for you to step in and become the starter. I mean James Franklin talked about it last year that the expectation when you're dealing with the transfer portal the expectation from a lot of these guys is that you're going to tell them as part of that transfer portal recruiting process that they're the starter. Right? right. Like, right. And, and I think that that does happen occasionally at some other places, but for Penn state, you're just looking at a situation now where obviously Sean Clifford is the presumed starter for next season. You would probably like to have a better distribution among your scholarships, right? From senior to junior to sophomore to freshman, but this is what it is. It's not going to be. Here's the thing. It's not going to be that way anymore. That's what the transfer portal takes from you is it takes you that middle, that mid tier of guy that thinks they've been there long enough to start, but hasn't gotten the yep. opportunity to. And as long as there's a Sean Clifford who is there for an extended period of time now with the bonus sixth year, you're going to have 
young depth behind him. Um, so, you know, that's going to be kind of what we get into a little bit this week. We're going to be talking a lot about quarterbacks with the early signing period and five-star Drew Aller and four-star Bo Prubula coming into the class on Wednesday. Stay tuned for all of that. And, of course, coming up next, we have your uh, Bo Prubula film room. So, Nate, thanks for filling us in on all the stuff today. Uh, appreciate you coming on the show. You got it. Thanks for having me. And one last thing. I want to just say this one last thing when it comes to quarterbacks and when it comes to talking about these two young players that Penn State has coming up. If you think it's about uh, keeping both of these guys for a number of years so that both can start, if you think that it's about Drew Aller and he starts and, and then he plays and he goes to the NFL and then Bo Perbula and then he starts and he... No. Stop thinking that way because one, the idea that both of them are going to stay at Penn State for the entirety of their four or five years is silly. Secondly, go look for more because you know the transfer portal is a thing. So 2023, go find a five-star quarterback and recruit that guy. 2024, go find a five-star and recruit that guy because one, you need to take more bites at the apple because even five stars bust. The guys that you think have prominence, and I'm going to get all into the details here in just a second about Bo Perbula, but we don't know. The The part about playing quarterback, the enigmatic part, may always elude you. So go get more quarterbacks. Don't think that your room is set at any point. Go get more quarterbacks. Speaking of quarterbacks, coming up next, Bo Perbula, his film room here on the Blue White Illustrated Daily Edition. No position is bigger in football than quarterback, so we're going to have a, an extended T. Franks film room on York Central quarterback Bo Perbula. That's today's T. Franks film room. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. This is a potential diamond in the rough for Penn State. They've got two quarterbacks in the class of 2022, and one of them cropped up in their backyard. So we're going to get in today of the strengths and weaknesses of Bo Perbula, and let's meet him right now. He is a on-three consensus four-star, 448th player in the nation, 26th quarterback, and 13th player in the state of Pennsylvania. On-three has him as an 87 overall, and he's the 48th quarterback, not nationally ranked. So let's get into some of the things that may uh, be holding him back on that side of things, and also what I think are some really, really promising uh, talent attributes whether they're physical or mental, that make him such an appealing prospect and why Penn State is taking him in this class and why I think he's got a great future ahead of him as a starting quarterback. Now, the first thing I want to talk about is accuracy. If you've watched any of my videos before, accuracy is, is the most important part of playing quarterback. Size and strength only matter if you can put the ball where you want to. And with that in mind... Bo Perbula is probably the most consistently accurate quarterback that I've personally scouted at Penn State. So that's where we're going to start with what he is as a quarterback. Watch the placement here on this football. It's in the absolute perfect spot. I'm going to run this back again because I just want to watch this again. It is behind the receiver. That's a great catch by the receiver, by the way. It's outside, and it's the only place that either the receiver's going to get it or nobody's going to get it. He's accurate on the run as well. Great fundamentals when it comes. This looks like a teach tape that you would show kids that want to know how you uh, play quarterback in a rollout sort of offense. And, and this is something that they did at uh, York where they had him moving a lot. And the reason he's accurate is because his feet 
are some of the best that I've seen at Penn State. You see right here, his momentum, his foot is already in the right spot. Did a big breakdown on quarterback footwork before. And just as a recap, you want your front foot pointed at all directions, at all times, towards the direction you're about to throw. That he does so well. Look at the base he has right now. His back foot is firmly planted in the ground. His front foot is forward. His hips are open. He's ready to transition all of that momentum forward into the throw. He has the quickest, quietest feet I've seen. And you just watch the way all of this works together. I love the fact when you're, when you're trying to teach somebody on something and, and the video is barely on screen. But you see that back foot. He's driving off that. He's got that rotation coming forward. And it ends at his hand. It doesn't start in the upper body. His momentum is coming forward. His hips are open. It's, it's easy. Everything he does when it comes to his lower body mechanics are easy. And look at that. The ball, again, I showed you the first one. Here again, the ball is outside. It's away from the defensive back. It's leading him upfield for a touchdown. It's a great throw. It's a great catch. But holy cow, watch it again in real time. This is exactly where it's supposed to be. Uh, the other thing he does really well is he throws with anticipation. So he trusts himself, he trusts his receivers, and he trusts the system that he's going to throw to a spot, not a football player. He's already begun his release. Uh, uh, look where the receiver is. He's throwing this to the far sideline in the, you know, the back pylon. The receiver is basically in the middle of the football field when he winds up to throw this football. And watch how the ball comes out of his hand to the exact right spot. Leads the receiver, toe tap, touchdown. And here's another one, just great accuracy over the top of the def defensive back, putting a little bit extra mustard on it. Here's a nice in-rhythm throw. It's a drop, but it's a really good throw by the quarterback to get that ball on location in time. We'll get to more of his in-rhythm stuff and his reading of the defense in just a little bit, but that's really where I want to start is he's the most accurate quarterback that I've seen come to Penn State, and that alone puts him in contention to start at some point in the future, barring anything else, because if you can consistently repeat your fundamentals and you can put the ball where you want all the time that's that's not the hard part because everything's the hard part at quarterback but that's one of the hardest parts to just master that part so you don't think about it anymore he's done that already and that gets me fired up that gets me excited watching a quarterback because that means you have the potential to do a bunch of other things on top of that when it comes to the mental side and some of the more advanced things because you don't have to worry about I'm going to throw it over the middle or I'm going to call something over the middle. Is my quarterback going to sail it into a safety? You feel really confident that Bo Brabeel is going to put the ball on the frame of the, of the receiver. Now, the next part of that is some of the more advanced stuff of the position. His eye discipline and his ability to manipulate coverages is really good. So you've got accuracy and you've got some sort of next level skill when it comes to how to manipulate the defense. Again, he's a good athlete. We'll get to that in a little bit of he's a threat to get to the corner on this play and just run this in himself. So the, this, the, the defense has to be aware of that. So they're already keyed up to run to the field side. And you've got a lot of action going that way to deceive the defense. Everything they want to do is built off of that because they want that outside receiver to cut underneath and make that safety in the middle of the football field. They want him to flow outward so they can bring a slant the other way for a touchdown. And watch that. Watch how quick it was. Just like that. He committed, and Prabula flips his hips, opens up. Look at that. Again, he can flip his hips and throw to any position on the field in one movement or basically one movement. That makes him a threat to every part of the football field. And watch how quickly 
that happens, and he just opens up, delivers the ball accurately to a wide-open window because he did a great job faking and, and a little bit of a play fake there coming back. Here's another one where they love, in, in, the cent- in the Central York offense, they love these scissor routes. So you got your outside receiver running a post, you got your inside receiver running a, a flag route or a corner route where he's going to the outside. What they're doing is they want to, first off, tell if it's zone or man, and then they want to get that middle safety to bite and to follow his receiver to the outside because if you can get that post to their their number one receiver, number four, on the outside, who's a good player, that's an easier throw for the quarterback. Now watch what happens on this. They want him to get to bite on that particular route. So watch how he reads this out in the middle of the play. Okay, right there. You see, that's when he's committing. He's already throwing. He's picking up his, his front foot. He's striding into this throw, and that safety just broke to the outside. Now, on this play in particular, it, it's not great by Mannheim Township, their secondary, because it kind of looks like they're not sure what they're running. Is the zone? Is the man? Are we switching? doesn't seem like they know, so technically both of these guys are open, but the in-rhythm part, I think, is really great of Perbula that he's already striding into this throw because he knew he knows he beat the defense, Already throws the ball. It's up. It's down. It's a great throw and it's into a well-designed open area where his offense is operating on a higher level to take advantage of defenses. And it's not just, you know, set throw. It's not running sticks routes. It's not a bunch of easy completions underneath. Although their offense did feature a lot of that this year, which again, you operate the offense you're in. So there's not anything you can really do about that. If you're the quarterback, now, the great part is all of these things also happen to him. He does all these things when he's under pressure. So cool, calm, and collected. And we'll get to this at the very end for one, uh, one particular play that I noticed this year. But when you look at the way he operates the offense, this play I like a lot because it is under pressure where he is throwing accurately off platform. So these linebackers are blitzing, and they're trying to keep him in the pocket so he doesn't scramble and pick up yardage that way. Um, what he needs to do on this play is he needs to hit this uh, receiver coming to the sideline over top of this linebacker and in between the corner. So this is a hard throw with pressure coming in his face. He can't step into this throw either. So this has got to be accurate or else this could be a big play the other way if he sails this over to the defensive back. Look at this. Off platform, over, down, perfect. That is a great throw. He's also got a little bit of gunslinger, a little wild child in him. Just throw that out there. Let him do the job. And, uh, and there's a lot of fun plays like that for him on tape. This is another great one where he's running to the right. This play gets a little gummed up, and it's an incompletion in the end. But I like what he does on this play because you can see his eyes are still downfield. Somebody with his athleticism who can run like this, if he gets pressure and he breaks contain to the outside... A lot of quarterbacks that are, you know, dual threat, but really are runners at the position naturally, they'll just, they'll tuck the ball and run. I love the fact that he has that ability and chooses not to. He pulls this ball. He never pulls the ball down. He gives his guy an opportunity because he keeps reading the defense. Here's another one. Just to be able to slip something, throw under pressure off platform for a big gain after what was uh, a third or second and 18. So makes somebody miss, free rusher, throws off platform, and gets about 12 yards. That's that's all the quarterback. That's all him. So the next thing I want to take a look at is his decision-making. 
covered a little bit here and there, some of this stuff under pressure, some of his ability to read defenses and manipulate with his eyes. There's a couple things that I don't want to say are his fault or things that he needs to work on because it's the nature of his offense where they run a lot of, when he throws the ball down the field, a lot of vertical routes that take zone coverages and make them essentially one-on-one man sort of situations and they're betting their receivers are going to win. Now, when that happens, that's great. But some of these throws, I don't think really translate to the next level. And we'll get to those in just a bit. But his decision-making is what I want to focus on here. And the first play is not what I just described. It's just a quick note about this. uh, Sort of, this is what a a veteran quarterback would do in the situation where this is in uh, game versus Wilson in the playoffs. They're bringing seven here. So this is seven-man pressure. When that happens, the quarterback has to account for one of the free blitzers. He's got to see it, he's got to know it, and he's got to know that the easiest place to throw this is to my check down. You're not reading here. The read is the blitz, because if you're looking for these crossers, you don't have time for that. Just check it down to your running back, and if you need, if in this situation you can get to, to fourth and two, and you want to go for it there, or if that guy, as you can see to the top of the screen, you replace the blitz with the throw, then that is a first down. But instead, he holds on to the ball, he tries to run it against the blitz, and they're able to corral him in the pocket and get a sack, setting up a fourth and eight. So these are the sort of situations where you've got some decision-making. That is, I think most young quarterbacks aren't going to be able to do that. That's just one quick note. Now, this is what I was talking about to start with. Of In this particular throw, this is either a, a single high zone or man look it doesn't it doesn't necessarily matter because of the way that they're set up where this is basically a one-on-one to the top of the screen and that's why he's throwing it but if if he were throwing this and it were a go route to the pylon i would think this is a great decision this single high safety is is running into he's running his guy into a, a post into the middle of the field so technically this is not the correct read on this play because he's throwing into what is natural double coverage with a single high safety in college that's covered in high school that's covered the 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 safety is in great position the defensive back is in trail technique if the ball is, is thrown underneath that's how they're supposed to play this this is a really good throw forget the guy who's already got his arms up even though he's right I don't know that this throw necessarily translates to college because he doesn't have the arm strength to bullet this in between those two guys. And in more situations than not, this throw, which is on his highlight film, would result in an interception with that free safety coming over and middle fielding, you know, center fielding it and getting the interception. But as it is, that's a touchdown. So it's not a bad decision because it's the nature of the offense and he gets a touchdown. I just don't know that some of these throws are going to translate to the next level. Here's another situation. Here's a cover three, and he's going to be throwing a uh, deep crosser into the middle of the field. Against cover three, you don't typically do that because there's this deep safety in the middle of the field, and there wasn't anybody to run him off to have an open opportunity at it. Uh, also, this is the third and nine. So you want to pick up the first down. I understand, he, like I said, he's a gunslinger in, in a lot of ways where he wants to get the big play, and that's going to do well at Penn State. But look at this right here. The, again, again, against cover three, if you've got the arm strength to do it, that's a first down, throwing from the far hash to the sideline. Now, the reason they give you that most times is most quarterbacks don't have the arm strength to do that. So he holds on to this ball, and he starts, I think, 
staring down his the guy he wanted to throw the football to. So most of the time, he's really good about not doing this. But when it comes to some of these deep balls, he gets that itch, it seems like, where he just wants to throw it up and get a touchdown because he's had a lot of success doing it. You love that he's given his guy an opportunity, but this is covered. This is, I wouldn't say it's the best decision. Uh, you like the, the confidence here, but I don't know that this is the throw you want him making all the time given that he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world and he's not going to be leading that guy down the football field consistently. Now, on the flip side, when it comes to making decisions in rhythm, this is what I talked about a little bit earlier, his in rhythm throws, this cropped up last year where he's very good at learning how to do this. Now this is locked in as this is a strength of his. You read this out, cover three, you got a single high safety, you've got off coverage to this side of the football field, and the slot receiver is running just to come back. This is standard cover three. This is a great read because he knows that in that voided zone right there, you can physically see there's a bubble there. That linebacker is not going to get there in time because he can throw the ball in rhythm quickly, bang, right there. He's got an easy eight yards, nine yards with run after the catch. Another situation, two high safeties, off corners, Obvious cover four, so obviously take the cover four. Another comeback route. These are the things standard that you have to read before the snap that you have to master so that you don't miss these throws at the college football level, and he doesn't. So that's another really good thing about accuracy, decision-making, timing, precision. He's very good at all of those things. I love all of that, and I love what he brings to the table as a runner and as a scrambler, both as designed and off-schedule. Now, there is, again, a little bit of wild child in here that you're going to see where you might, if you're a coach, you might, I don't want all that. But look the way he makes people miss in space. He's a runner. It's not just that he's fast. He has the ability to make people miss. And I love this right here because, again, what I showed you earlier of cover three, a post into that, he's not throwing it this time because he sees it's well covered. He's not going to throw that there. And the, the Sam linebacker is screaming down on the swing route. So none of this stuff on this play action is open. It didn't hit. And he's a smart quarterback. So he knows, okay, that's not there. Maybe I'll hit something backside. But with pressure, he just runs it and gets, uh, you know, scrambles, breaks the pocket, gets a lot of yards. Again, makes people miss in space. He breaks people down. Creative runner where you, there's a, it's a tangible, real threat. Now, this is where it gets a little crazy. He's off camera here. But just wait for it, because he's coming back. There he is. Oh, my goodness. Some of this stuff, it makes you go, I don't know if you want him doing that. But then he almost throws a touchdown. So, it's you know, you'll live with that. Here's another thing that I, I noticed a couple of times that I, don't, I think he's got to clean up a little bit. It's just ball security. That ball is out there for people to, to bat away. Here, he drops the ball, tries to do a little too much. Again, ball is loose, might lose it again. College football, this gets harder. So those plays might go the other way against him. And those are just a couple of things. I, I wouldn't in any way hold any of those really against him. That's just some things to note going forward. Of He does like to try and fix it all himself. He wants to play hero ball sometimes. But 90% of the time, he's locked in in structure playing really good football. And that gives him, I think a really, really sound foundation going into the future. Now, I don't normally point out plays individually for the individual play and situation, all those things, and build up one moment too much. It's more of an example in teaching, but this play deserves it. It is the final completion of his college football career. You see, fourth and 16, 18 seconds left in the playoffs. He's throwing into what looks like a cover four. 
That's the pre-snap look. And again, you got this scissors route at the top of the screen. They're trying to hit this in-breaking route for the first down. You've got the uh, underneath route here trying to clear out the linebackers or any guys underneath to open up that window over the middle. But here's what's actually happening from the defense is that they're going to roll to cover three. They're going to bring that safety down and they're blitzing. So they're bringing five on this play. This is five on five. And the, the offensive line does a good job of picking up this in pass protection, but still this is against pressure. So his ability to stand in the pocket fourth and 16 and throw this ball down the field is awesome. Okay. So here's what he's doing. He's holding the safety and, and the slot corner to the far side of the field, trying to get those guys to drift that way to open up what comes out underneath. And luckily for him, it works. You see that corner is screaming to the boundary, trying to tra take that flag route out from underneath. He does not read the cover. He doesn't read the routes very well. And he sort of abandons his zone. Now, again, this is pressure. So there's not a full complement of coverage defenders. So a lot of this is built off the line. But you see that safety. He's biting down on the underneath route. And the window opens. He delivers on time. He trusts his, his offensive line. He trusts his receivers. And he delivers a strike to extend the game, and to extend his season. Now, ultimately, they missed the field goal one play later, and York's season is over. But Bo Prabula put it on the line, fourth and 18, and I think that sort of level of precision, accuracy, clutch in the pocket, I've been saying he's an assassin as a quarterback, and I think that's a really good summation of everything he does. Now, a couple things that are kind of the story behind Bo Perbula from a Penn State fan perspective is there's a lot of comparison to Trace McSorley because of plays like that and what I've shown you there in some of my other film evaluations of him for Blue White Illustrated over the years. This is my final thought on that. It's fair to make those comparisons, but to me, the story of Trace McSorley was he was defined a lot as a clutch winner with the limitations he had, being six foot, not having a strong arm, not having a big frame, not developing into the starter-sized quarterback, and still being one of the best football players at that position in Penn State history. You know, statistically the best at this point. Bo Perbula doesn't have those same limitations, so to me the story is different. Yes, he's clutch. Yes, he's got a lot of that in his DNA, although at the high school football level, Trace McSorley won several state championships Perbula never quite got to that level, but I wouldn't say it was his necessarily his doing that that didn't happen by that 4th and 18 I showed you, 4th and 16. So to me, the story about Perbula isn't, it's comparative at this point because he's being compared to starter level uh, traits, you know, size, strength, arm strength, all those things. Six foot two, 205, Guys, he has plenty of time to grow into that guy. He's got the frame to be 215, maybe even 220, and be the complete runner athlete at the position. 6'2 is not small for a quarterback. So I don't I, I, I think he has the potential, if he develops and all of those things blossom, to be a better quarterback than Trace McSorley. To be a guy that can take that clutch gene and and good arm strength, I think, above the threshold you need to operate an offense and to be able to throw to all parts of the field, he can still develop arm strength, lower body power. Maybe he's not going to be able to, to, you know, throw into tight windows off of his back foot and all that stuff. But if you can operate the offense and you can win from the pocket with your mind, with anticipation, 
you don't need all of those things. So he can be a high-level starter at the college football level, and he can develop into a complete quarterback, which, again, to me, breaks the comparison between him and McSorley. So, Penn State football fans, you got a really good quarterback. I do think he does need to take some time to develop because he wasn't doing anything pre-snap. There isn't a lot of uh, the, the, the York offense that he was in. He didn't always call plays in the huddle. Everyone had a wristband at times where they, they were getting things in from the sideline. So he is not manipulating pre-snap. He was not changing things. He wasn't looking to the sideline to adjust play calls and stuff like that. He just lined up and ran the play. So some of that mental stuff of just things he wasn't asked to do, he's going to have to learn at the next level. But when you project his baseline skills, I see a starter in college football, three-star, four-star, it doesn't matter. I see the skills to be a high-level player at the next at, the, at that position at the next level. So Penn State football fans, you got a good quarterback. That'll do it for today's T. Frank's Film Room on Bo Perbula. Make sure if you like this, you subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss any of our T. Frank's Film Room or any of other information covering Penn State football. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Talk to you next time.